I have manifested some of the craziest shit. Like, again, like my first show being in front of 2,000 people on a tour in Germany somewhere, like people would have told me that that's impossible. But I I did visualize that for a long time. I was like, I want to do these big shows. I want to do this and that. And then it just happened. And, And then with the crowdfund as well, I wrote down what I wanted to do and it happened. And I think it's not just about having a a visual board or just doing affirmations. I think it's about catching and flipping every single thought because you're manifesting whether you like it or not 24-7. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, branding, PR, and release strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years as a musician, professional digital marketer, and music journalist, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What's up, legend, and welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm so excited to be joining you to kick off another amazing week. Uh, Happy Monday to you if you're listening to this on the release date. So before we dive into this week's episode, I do have a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. First off, thank you so much for all the love on my last episode, all about rebranding and explaining why my band decided to remove the majority of our music off streaming sites. We are currently, uh, The Last Martyr is my band, by the way, we're currently going through a total relaunch after being stagnant for pretty much 12 months or more. Uh, We used last year to just record an EP. We are now relaunching, rebranding. We have a new lineup and a new EP ready to go. And We've also just launched our email list if you want to keep up to date on everything as well as on socials where the last matter everywhere. And that decision to take down the music off streaming websites, we've got two songs pretty much left on there, uh, was a pretty big one. It's something that we mulled over for honestly probably a few months and we did get a push from a mentor that we're working with right now to take that down, um, take down most of the old EP. And there's pros and cons to leaving it up, right? Um, Or taking it down. So it was definitely something that we weighed up carefully. And the feedback that I was getting from that episode where I really go through the ins and outs of what led to that decision and also the process of rebranding got so many, um, I got so many messages and comments and I got such a big response from that. So yeah, thank you so much for reaching out. It really means a lot when you let me know that an episode really resonated with you and that it helped you and that you enjoyed it and found it interesting. So, um, yeah, I love that. And you know, your reviews and everything like that really just, um, they just light up my day. Um, it always makes me feel so warm and fuzzy because As you guys know, podcasting can feel like a bit of a one-way communication tool, unlike social media. So for you guys to actually make that effort and reach out to me and share, you know, screenshots in your stories um, or leaving me a review, like that really means a lot because I know that you would have had to go out of your way to actually do that. Um, So yeah, definitely appreciate it. So yeah, that was the first thing. Just thank you so much for all your, um, you know, your response, your positive response to the last episode. 
If you haven't listened to that, I highly advise that you do because not only am I diving into the behind the scenes of what's happening in my band, which I find is always really interesting when I get to peek behind the velvet curtain, so to speak, with other bands or industry people. But I also talk about a lot of strategy in in terms of rebranding and the question of whether to leave up old music on streaming sites is one that I actually get quite a lot. And, um, you know, depending on who you are, where you are in your career, it can actually be hugely beneficial to remove, um, you know, music that may be not in line with where you're going as a band. So definitely check that out. And secondly, the second announcement is... I actually got headhunted for a pretty incredible job opportunity the other week. I'm not going to announce what it is just yet because I'm still yet to sign the contract. I do have the contract in my inbox, but I haven't returned it just yet. Um, But why this is such an incredible milestone is within the music industry is that, I mean, if you've been listening to my podcast, you will know well and truly that I've been pretty open about the fact that I have worked some pretty shitty jobs that were kind of soul destroying in the past. And like, there were definitely positive things about those jobs. And I'm not definitely not going to call out any employers or anything, but I just have had experiences where maybe the job wasn't fully in line with where I was going in my life. It was more sort of just something that I worked just to get money and have a job. Um, And if you work too long in jobs where you're understimulated, maybe undervalued and especially underpaid, um, you know, even if it isn't like a toxic work environment necessarily, that can really eat away at your self-esteem over time. And that's certainly what I've experienced in some of my jobs in the past. So I'd pretty much given up on finding work as an employee or working for another company as opposed to working for myself that was completely in line with what my skill set is with what my passion is and my personality and the way that I like to work which I do love working from home I'm very very autonomous and self-motivated so having people like micromanage me just is not going to work and I'd pretty much given up on finding a position, even if it was a contract position where basically everything on my dream checklist was available to me. And so to be headhunted for this role after so many years, like working side hustling in my business, in the music industry, where they've actually listened to this podcast and they've checked out my work and, you know, where the interview, you know, they already knew everything about me by the time I got to the interview. So it was more so them just telling me about the role that just blows my mind. And, you know, at first I was like, I have no idea what the fuck I did to deserve such an opportunity from such a prestigious company. Oh my God. I can't wait to share it with you guys. I'm sorry to keep you in suspense, but you know, the first reaction is, Oh my God, what did I do to deserve this? And over the past week, I've really had to go within and reflect over just how much I've sacrificed to, you know, side hustle and grow my business, you know, whilst working full time, whilst having a band and like growing a business is really hard if that's all you're focusing on, but to have those other things going on and to be able to, you know, to have to manage your time and, you know, your resources and to, you know, invest everything that you make back into your business and to have, um, you know, someone headhunt you and really see that and think that you're perfect for a role is extremely gratifying. So hopefully I'll be able to share the full details with you soon, but 
It just goes to show that don't settle. If you're in a job that you don't like or that isn't fulfilling or is impacting your mental health, write a full list of every single thing that you want out of a role. You know, even if it seems completely unattainable, you know, even if you've never been in a role where you could work from home, I remember thinking that working from home was like the epitome of like what could be available within a role and, you know, working from home for over a year now, and now it just seems normal. And of course, you know, that's something that's available. It's a choice at the end of the day, write a list of everything, your dream job, basically, and don't settle until you get that. Just start looking. And there is something powerful about being clear on exactly what you want out of life, whether that's a job, whether that's like a partner, whether that is a band situation. I've always found that writing a list of I guess your desires and just being really, really clear helps you kind of sort through uh, opportunities that may come your way that maybe aren't aligned instead of, you know, just taking the first thing that's offered to you. So that's what I wanted to share. But without further ado, today I'm bringing to you an interview with Luna Vexa, who is a pop electronic artist, which you may not think aligns with this podcast, but Luna actually started off her career in the metal and heavy world. She's been a touring musician for uh, some really big bands. Luna's going to share with you how she crowdfunded $10,000 in the first month of her crowdfunding campaign for her brand new album, how she did that, how she set it up and how you can have success with crowdfunding as well. She's also going to talk about her journey, her mental health journey within the music industry, as she's really open and transparent about the fact that she has bipolar disorder and how she manages having a music career with also having bipolar. We also talk about manifestation, which I guess kind of ties into what I was saying about writing the list of uh, your desired uh, features in a partner or a job or a band or whatever. So we dive into manifestation as she is really big into like law of attraction and that sort of stuff as well. And at the end, Luna's going to share with you how to survive a shark attack. Very random, but I'm extremely glad that this knowledge was finally shared on the Being in a Band podcast. So listen right to the end to get that juicy piece of information that could possibly save your life. I loved this chat with Luna. In the podcast, we did say that we definitely need to catch up for a drink, which is exactly actually what we did last weekend. And she was like, when's the episode going to be up? And I was like, this is perfect timing. I think I'm going to air it on Monday. Shout out, Luna. Thank you so much for the great conversation. And Let's dive into this episode, which covers so many important things within the music industry, from mental health to crowdfunding to manifestation and surviving a shark attack. All right, Luna Vexa, welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. How are you? Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to be here and I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, So first up, you are a pop artist Mm -hmm. currently, but you are very connected to the heavy music scene. So first up, do feel free to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your journey with music so far. 
Sure. Um, so I'm Luna Vexa, and I guess you could say my music is edgy, dark, pop in that realm. Um, yeah, I did. I did start in metal when I was 19, and that was kind of how my whole music journey started. I was studying science, and I was like, you know what? I'm way too creative to do this. And in the middle of a lecture, I was like, I'm going to drop out and be a musician. So you can imagine how well my family took that. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to go study music instead. I found a vocal coach. Um, I joined a few bands, which never really ended up working out for me. And then, um, did a lot of crazy things in that time, like went on a few big tours and did a lot of session stuff. And then I decided I, I just really wanted to focus on my own creativity, which is why I went into the pop realm. I felt like I had more of a voice there and, um, more creative control and things like that. And that's kind of where we are now. I've released an EP. Um, I released an album that I crowdfunded and um, a few singles in between and done a few shows and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want to dive into your really, really successful crowdfunding campaign, but I'm curious because um, you were a session musician. You did tour with bands like Make Them Suffer. How is the heavy scene different to the pop world? Because as I mean, for me, myself, I've always been involved pretty much in the heavy music scene since I started. So going mm. to the pop world, I think I would find so intimidating. I'd love <laughs> to know your thoughts. I actually, um, I find it more comforting. I think, I mean, like, it's just, it's so different that you can't really compare it. I think um, I haven't done big pop tours yet, so I can't compare that. But um, in terms of the musicians, I guess it's kind of similar that, you know, there's collaborations and um, you can work with different people, different producers. I think the difference is like when you're not in a band, you just, you you can be more creative for what you want to do. I think when you're in a band, you have to compromise a little bit more. Um, but there's pros and cons to both because being solo is very difficult, like financially funding your own career and then, um, you know, whether it's ups or downs, doing all that by yourself instead of having people to confide in. So yeah, there's pros and cons. Yeah, definitely. So let's dive into the nitty gritty. I want to talk about your crowdfunding campaign. You raised $9,000 in only 20 days. So less than three mm -hmm. weeks for your latest album. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to go the crowdfunding route first of all? Well, um, I was really sick for a period of time. So I've spoken about this before in other interviews where I, um, I have an autoimmune disease and I'm also bipolar. So I had a very bad relapse and I was bedridden for like eight to 12 months. Like I was struggling to walk and, um, the doctors basically told me that that was going to be my life. Like, and I, I just refused to believe that or accept it. And it was a very difficult period. So during mm -hmm. that period of time, that's when I wrote all the songs on my latest album, King of Eve. Um, I didn't actually expect to be able to fund it or anything. This is why I really believe in manifesting. Cause I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to write down songs. I would put on an EP if I could actually do it. And this was when I couldn't even walk. So I, I, mm. I didn't know how or when it was going to happen. It was almost like, I'm just going to like leave the how and the whens up to the universe. And I'm just going to put it out there that this is what I'm going to do. And everything that I wrote down on that piece of paper came true. So it just freaked me out. Um, and more so like I've got more than I ever expected I, I would have. Um, oh, I love it. 
I love yeah. a good manifestation story. <laughs> That's like my my absolute jam. <laughs> yeah, we vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been really into it lately as well because there's been all these weird things happening, but we can get into that later. Anyway, back to the yeah. crowd. Um, so, so yeah, what happened was I, I got better after eight to 12 months. Like I said, um, I started walking, like it started with one minute a day. The next week it was two minutes a day. And then eventually I was into rehab swimming and then my body got stronger and my muscles became conditioned again. And that was the most excruciatingly painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. Like, I just can't believe that I went through that. And so, after that, I kind of thought, well, if I can do that, I can do anything. So how am I going to get this EP done? If money is the issue because of all that time spent in bed, obviously didn't have an income. Um, I was like, what's another way that I can bring this to me manifested? And I was like, crowdfund is an option. So I, mm. I spoke to my friend, um, who's a comedian. Do you know Lou Spears? Lewis Spears? Uh, sounds familiar, but no, not really. Yeah. He's um he's a fairly big Australian comedian and I give a lot of props to him because I we've just become friends um you know over the past couple of years and I was like to him you know how how did you get your comedy special done like how do you do all this stuff and he's like I crowdfunded it and I'm like okay what did you go for and he's like I went for 15 grand I'm like wow that's a lot and I'm like what did you get and he's like 80 and I was like holy oh, shit wow <laughs> after he said that I was like you know what I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to put myself out there and whatever I get, I get because that story, I was like, that's insane. He's like, yeah, you have no idea. Like if people really love your shit, they're going to back you and they're going to support you. And you're also giving them something. It's not like you're just asking for a handout. Like you're giving them merch packages, you're giving them your album or you're giving them something that they want. So you shouldn't see it as like, oh, you know, like I need a handout to do this. It's it's just like another way of doing your business really. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting because when you were saying that the thing that popped into my mind was self-worth and I know that there are some like more old school musicians who are like, eh, like crowdfunding, yeah. um, and, and do see it as a bit of a handout, even though it's, you know, it is an exchange of goods and services and, and yep. it's not like you're putting a gun to people's head to give you money. It's not like that at all. No, I think, no. I think it comes down to a self-worth thing, particularly with musicians yep. um, and understanding that your art and your merch and your, even your time is, is worth money. And I think that that is really one of the core kind of like limiting beliefs that may prevent someone from attempting to crowdfund. Oh, absolutely. And it's all about limiting beliefs, but it's also about having a good crowdfund, right? Because anyone mm. can just go and be like, oh, you put money in and you'll get my album. But that's not, the, I mean, like it's value, but you need to offer more value for, for their buck. And then they're going to be like, yes, that package of $60 where I get a t-shirt, I get behind the scenes, I get, um, I don't know, handwritten lyrics, I get this, I get that. It's, it's, it's a valuable package um, that makes sense. And it's also, you know, financially good for you because behind the scenes, I mean, you're not spending hundreds of dollars to get that printed and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So where did you start? Um, because I know that there's going to be a lot of people listening that's like, oh, like there's so many platforms out there. How did you go about researching what platform would was going to be best for you personally? And how did you go about putting together some of those perks and the packages? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I just really wanted to follow what my friend did. So that's why I chose his platform, but I liked it because, um, well, the platform does take a fee. So you've got to watch out for that as well. You really have to budget, 
budget it properly. So if you're doing a crowdfund, you need to make sure that you have enough money to print everything that you're going to give to people. You need to have enough money for the postage because there might be people all around the world that want to buy something and you need to make sure you can ship it to them. Um, And then like the site will take uh, some fee. I think it's like I don't know, it's, it's small, like 3 to 7% or something. And then um, also PayPal may take fees and stuff like that. So make sure that you do the budget properly. I actually planned my crowdfund probably three months before I did it. So the launch day is the most important day. And that's where I made the most money. I made 3.5K on day one. Yeah. And my goal was 5,000 in 20 days. And I hit that by like day five or something. Mm. So... Um, launch day is very, very important. So you want to build up like, it's almost like you're doing a release, but you're not. So you're building up all this anticipation. You can even do ads for it. You can do like, I mean, these are going to be the packages and all that stuff. Um, so launch day is super important. Um, in terms of how I got the packages and, and decided to do it, I actually did a lot of research in that um, 12 weeks, just what did other people do that were successful? Um, what would my supporters want to see? Even asking your fans, like, what do you want? Like, what would be valuable to you if you were a part of this? And I think, um, you know, going back to that self-worth thing, a lot of um, musicians don't understand that your fans want to be a part of this because it's like they're creating the album with you. Like you're doing Mm. updates, you're doing videos in the studio. You're like, this is what you've given me and this is what I'm giving you. Like this is my gift back to you. It's about giving. It's not about taking. Um, So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, obviously like people's perception of it will affect their reality like if they're going to have limiting beliefs and it's then it's not really going to work out for you but if you're all about giving value you're about giving back to these people that are supporting you and you know they they go on this journey with you and I became a lot closer to a lot of my fans that were involved in it and and now we've got this kind of friendship for life thing that we didn't have before so I think it's yeah there's so many pros yeah, yeah, they're they're now the super fans, those ones that are going to uh, stick with you for life, as as you just said. That's really, really cool. Um, you mentioned you did some ads for the campaign. How else did you promote it? You know what? I actually didn't do any ads. Oh, I'm just okay. saying yeah. to people, do that now, because if I knew about, like, you know, how to run ads, Facebook ads back then, I probably would have gotten even more money. But um, I, it was just word of mouth. It was just organic and um, it was a push. It was a, it was a really big push, you know, sending people the link and being like, Hey, I thought that you would want to be a part of this because you've liked my other stuff and and whatever. So it was, it was all about, you know, word of mouth and organic. But I think if you can understand how to run Facebook and Instagram ads and then build up that excitement and show pictures and videos of the packages that are going to be there, a lot of people are going to buy them. You'd be surprised. I mean, some people were putting in like, you know, 600 to a thousand dollars each. I was like, just, whoa, you know, and people I've never met in my life. Like this one guy from, uh, overseas, his name was Corey. Um, I almost, I was close to my 5,000 goal and he put 600 in and, and I hit it and I was like, oh my God, like, why'd you do that? He's like, cause I just wanted you to hit it. And I'm like, we've never met before. This is nuts. Like people are so generous. You just, you're blown away by how generous people are. That's amazing. That's so, so (laughs) cool. So how was the album received when you, when you released it? And did you, um, so how long after the crowdfunding campaign did you record it? And yeah, just tell me the process of the writing and recording and yeah. 
Look, it took it took a good year to get everything done. I already had most of the songs written, but I remember flying up to Brisbane, um, doing the whole album within a month, and then flying back and doing the music video, um, which was the second goal. Um, so you do these extended goals if you hit your first goal, which was my second goal doing the music video, and that was within three days of flying back. And then um, I had like a hundred or more packages on my living room floor, like getting all these t-shirts and things printed. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a little messy. I feel like if I was going to do it again, I'd need a bit of a team because it's a lot. I was going to say, did you have like an assistant or intern or someone to help you with all of that? Or did you just kind of do it yourself? Um, I did most of it myself, but I did have friends like helping me put together the packages and, and go mail them out and things like that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's definitely (laughs) a multi-person job when you have that many. Um, and in terms of the promotion for the album, um, cause you obviously did such an incredible job promoting the crowdfunding campaign. What was the, um, promotion of the album? Like, did you do any PR or marketing? Yeah. So it was a little tricky because I released it August last year when like bang in the middle of COVID. Uh, I did that because, um, people were waiting for the album for so long and because they crowdfunded it, I didn't really want to make them wait any longer to get their packages and everything. So I decided to release it and I did have, um, a publicist as well. So I did a lot of radio interviews, um, a lot of podcast stuff as well. Uh, what else did I do? It was running ads. Um, there was organic share, just, yeah, just kind of doing a really like a normal release schedule, but without the shows because COVID was going on. Mm, yeah, definitely. And do you have any plans to do any shows to promote the album as well? I do. I am currently putting it together. So I, I don't have a date yet, but there is definitely things in the works I'm really excited about. Yeah. Awesome. How has um, COVID been for you in terms of your music career? Because how, how long ago was the album release and the crowdfunding campaign? So it was August last year that I released the album. So yeah, it's been, it's been over six months, I'd say now. So. Okay. So it's like perfect timing because given the fact that there was no shows, everyone's attention was kind of focused on uh, either releasing music or, or doing anything that can be done digitally yeah yeah virtually yeah yeah um yeah it's it's interesting how we've changed from like actual live shows to doing a digital thing it's so strange I I'm still trying to wrap my head around that yeah and I want to go back to the manifestation thing because it's very rare that I have I actually um I don't know if you've heard, I, I did a podcast episode with a, um, a woman called Lindsay Schoolcraft who used to play in Cradle of Filth and she's now solo, but she's really, really big into manifestation. So we actually mm. ended up doing a whole podcast episode on like, same thing as what you said, you know, she had this like vision board and every single thing came true. Has yep. that always been something, because this is something I want to actually begin to teach my clients and everything, yep. because there's so many musicians that are into the woo-woo stuff like we are. <laughs> <laughs> so is that something that uh, you were always into? Like, do you have a kind of a moment when you were younger where you kind of realized that manifestation was a thing and we've got more control over our lives than what we think? Well, 
I, I grew up with, uh, I don't know if it was like Christian or Catholic. I mean, that's how I grew up and I was never really into it. I found church very boring. I always had headphones in, like it was just a thing through school. Um, but then as I got older, I, I started to question my beliefs about God and my spirituality and, and what was true to me. And I've always been a little bit more on the agnostic side, I would say. Um, definitely do believe in some kind of higher power we don't understand more like the universe and energy. I'm big on energy. So, I mean, like even in science now, they're, they're proving through quantum physics, if you look into what that is, whoever's listening, that we do actually create our reality. Like we're all made up of energy and it's not just matter. It's not just physical matter, like what we've been taught. And if science is telling us that, then we should probably listen because I think our thoughts have such a huge impact on our lives. Um, I have manifested some of the craziest shit. Like, again, like my first show being in front of 2,000 people on a tour in Germany somewhere, like people would have told um, me that that's impossible. But I, I did visualize that for a long time. I was like, I want to do these big shows. I want to do this and that. And then it just happened. And and then with the crowdfund as well, I wrote down what I wanted to do and it happened. And I think it's not just about having a, a visual board or um, – just doing affirmations. I think it's about catching and flipping every single thought. And it is exhausting. Trust me. It takes like Mm. a good 30 to 60 days to get into the habit of this, but every single thought, um, that, that is conscious to you. If it's negative, you have to flip it straight away because you're manifesting whether you like it or not 24 seven. Before we continue on, I'm so excited because today's episode is sponsored by Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, and let me tell you, they look super modern and fresh, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Being in a band podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, that's B-A-N-D-Z-O-O-G-L-E.com and try it free for 30 days and use the promo code being in a band, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com with promo code being in a band and I've left it linked below. It's like, um, and I'm not sure if I use this example in that podcast episode that I mentioned, but it's like when you wake up in the, you know, the movie, the secret puts it so simply when you wake up in the morning and you stub your toe and you're just in a bad mood, you emit bad vibes and you start attracting, it's kind of like this snowball effect. And then people don't want to be around you. And so you start, (laughs) it's like, it's, it's such a thing that it's, it's part of our day-to-day life. As you said, whether we realize we're doing it or not, like we all know those negative people that are like, Oh, the world's against me. And sometimes I don't know, I've been around those people and I'm like, Oh my God, it really is like, it it really is. But it's also you that's kind of causing it. So, um, 
I mean, that sounds like really harsh, but um, (laughs) it's just the victim mind state. It's like, if you say it, then it becomes that. Like if you, and it's not just a placebo effect. I think it's an energy effect as well. Placebo, I was trying to explain this to someone the other day and I wasn't doing a very good job. So I don't know if this is going to come through. Um, But placebo is like, yes, there are some behaviors that you can change um, through your subconscious mind, but placebo doesn't explain when things get attracted to you. Like, other people's behavior and things like that. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. (laughs) And I remember um, one of the clearest examples that I can share is before I moved to Melbourne, which was almost four years ago now, I, I basically burned my whole life down in Sydney. I split up with my partner, my band broke up. I was leaving my job, like moving house, of course, to a new city. Mm-hmm. I like, burned everything to the ground. And it was very empowering because then I could start creating what this next chapter in Melbourne looked like. Mm-hmm. And I would like cut out the logos of like people in the industry who I wanted to work with. And, um, I wrote, you know, down, I, I do this thing called scripting sometimes where you kind of like mm-hmm. write in detail about something like it's already happened. Um, yeah. like a journal entry. I do that too. Yeah. yeah it's so good. <laughs> every night, every night. <laughs> oh my God. That's a, I need to get in a better habit of it, but it's so much fun. Like it's just, and when you can feel the emotion, that's kind of, um, that's kind of what happens. But I mean, scientifically, um, you're, because we are bombarded by so much information at once, our brains cannot actually filter and process every single thing that we see and that we experience. So it's always filtering. So having a really clear idea of what our goals are and like through scripting or through a vision board, whatever medium works best for you, our reticular activating system is then looking for evidence that that's real or Mm -hmm. pathways to achieve that goal. And I kid you not, every single thing on that like vision board that I had that I created four years ago from Mm -hmm. the friendships that I have to the people that I've worked with, like the job that I got, it, it's all like I've ticked everything off now. It's it's insane. That's incredible. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, so if anyone's listening, you should definitely try it. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because. I've been thinking a lot about the courses that I wanted to create and I don't want to talk about me on this podcast interview, but like, I just got so excited because you talked about manifestation. <laughs> no, I want to um, hear it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely want to create a course for musicians. Um, I want to call it like metaphysical musician. I, and as I said, I want to teach people this sort of stuff because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's so easy to play that victim, that victim mindset. And when you can start, uh, consciously like creating things it's just amazing how far how fast you can move forward yeah I I definitely think that victim mentality is a a primal state you know like it it can be like oh why did that happen you have to remember shit I created that because there's something that you did that created that attracted that whatever just keep flipping those thoughts like you know I I am a badass performer like I blow people away when I perform you know that kind of stuff I think in Australia, this has been an issue as well. So my mind just goes boom, 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 like bipolar, like all over the place. Um, yeah, yeah, like in Australia, I find that tall poppy syndrome is such a thing. Like if you are com- if you are confident, people try to put you down, or they're like, oh, you're cocky. It's it's not. 
it's like not modest to put yourself down. And I don't understand why you can't be proud of your work, confident in your in yourself, believe in yourself. And it's it's not a thing that really happens overseas that I've seen as much in the US. Like people have to be like that to be taken seriously. Like mm. they have to be confident. They have to be confident in their shit. Whereas here it's very different. And I'm like, this is n- like, no, this is not the right way to go about it. You have to be confident in your stuff. And as musicians, we're all very sensitive, I think. And um, we have issues with this. We have issues with believing in ourselves. And and you just have to keep, you have to keep fighting that, keep flipping those thoughts, keep um, keep saying the I am's, like you've already got this and, and your 3D world will catch up. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a... Um... Actually, I won't tell that story, but um, (laughs) we can cut that out. (laughs) We can cut that out. Um, What was I going to say? It's also, I think there's something so powerful as well when you realize that everything is happening for you, not to you. So there have been like, there have been like huge rejections in my music career and well, not, not huge rejections, but there've been things that like didn't come to fruition. And especially last year, I think a lot of us struggled. And certainly I know that a lot of my clients and everything struggled with this as well as feeling kind of stalled because not everyone had music prepared. They were, you know, about to tour or, or even go, you know, I had a friend that, you know, her band just spent $10,000 on flights for support slots and then they all just got canceled. So, um, but when you can realize that, um, like things happen in divine timing as well, Um, then I think that that's really empowering because some of the things that I did have on my goals list for last year, for example, that didn't like come to fruition, Mm -hmm. I now look back and I'm like, thank God, like, Mm. thank God it didn't work out that way because actually that person wasn't the right person to work with, or we've now changed our strategy from a single strategy to doing an EP, which is, it's just a better strategy in general. Do you have, uh, do you have any stories like that? Um, yes, I do. I I do agree with what you said as well about like things happening for you. I think it's, if you look at it that way, like, thank God, like, thank you universe that something better is coming for me that, you know, that wasn't the right path. And you showed me that because this is the right path, you know, Mm -hmm. something better is coming. If you think like that, when things go wrong, then you'll be okay. Like that, that can be an affirmation. Um, it is an affirmation I fall back onto as well. Like everything is okay. Everything is working out in the best possible way. Even if all that went wrong, good, because it was supposed to, because I'm supposed to be over here, not over there. Um, but yeah, sorry, what are you going to say? That quote, um, I love like what is for me will not pass me. That's served me so well. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Oh my God. We so vibe with this. We're spiritual sisters. I know. I'm like, we've got to meet up for cocktails after this. I know. (laughs) Manifest some shit. (laughs) Yeah. I got to invite you to this like moon circle that I went to last month. It was like fucking rad. There was like badass bitches in there just like (laughs) meditating together. It was so good fucking witches. Yeah. I'm down for that. (laughs) Hell yeah. Okay. I'll send you an invite after this. So switching gears, how is your health at the moment? My health is really good at the moment. I've been affirming it. I've been, um, I've done a lot of diving stuff. I don't know if you've, um, if you've seen online, I'm a free diver. So I've been trained to basically dive in the ocean on, on breath hold without a scuba tank. So I'd say my health is in a really good place. Um, ocean is definitely helping. Oh, that's amazing. 
Yeah. It's oh, okay. Stuff. I'm just looking at Instagram now and I can see all the underwater shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've heard that diving is really magical because you really get a sense of like how big the world is. And uh, it sounds like actually really weird, but like how insignificant we are. And that kind of frees you up to making a lot of decisions, I find. Yeah. I mean, some of the animals I've seen, I'm like, this is like an alien world. And, and so many people don't get to experience this. And I'm a, I'm a huge shark conservationist as well. Um, so, I mean, I could talk about sharks for days, but I am dying to see one in the ocean. And every time I go, I never see one. And it's like, people are so afraid that if they go past like knee height water, that they're going to be like attacked and die. But it's, it's not like that. Sharks are quite peaceful animals. If, um, if you know what you're doing in the water with wild body language and keeping your eyes on them and things like that, like 99% of the time, it's fine. If they come up to you, just deter them. It's like all good you can cut that out if you want (laughs) no no I love it um no I always um I know it's like always sad like if someone gets attacked by a shark um yeah of course but at the end of the day it's kind of like their their territory they're not really doing anything wrong it's it's their instinct yeah, look, it's it's quite rare for that to happen. And the reasons yeah. why that happens is usually in very bad conditions where it's murky water and someone goes swimming in a place where, I mean, again, people aren't educated about sharks because they're so afraid of them. And if we change that, less attacks would happen if they were more aware. So like if you're going to go swimming in murky, bad conditions, um, there's more of a chance, of course, especially if your head's not in the water looking around you. Um and also like on surfboards, like if you're just looking not like a natural prey item, um, you might be mistaken, but most of the time sharks swim past surfers and swimmers all day, every day, all the time. And there's still only like 10 fatalities a year, which is incredible. Like that's, that's amazing. They're, they're mm. swimming past them every day and they hardly ever make a mistake. Um, so they're, they're a lot more intelligent than what we give them credit for. And they're, they're not seeking out people to eat. You know, like it's just a shark. It's going about its business. It's doing its thing. Yes, they eat seals. They eat fish. And like it doesn't want to eat people. It doesn't like the smell or the taste of people. It's just investigating, oh, what is that? Like, what are you? So um, some shark safety tips, right? <laughs> We're talking about So I bet there's like Americans <laughs> listening or like just people that aren't from Australia listening and being like, your country is <laughs> I know, right? Like in, in Cairns, we have like crocodiles and sharks swimming in the same water. It's just nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, shark safety for Australians. Okay. Um, look, if you're going to go in the ocean, you need to understand that that is their home. Um, you have to look around you at all times. Like I feel very comfortable when I'm diving because I have a mask on and I'm looking around me like every 10 seconds I'm spinning around me, I'm looking around me. Um, That is enough to like deter a shark, to scare it away from you. They actually know when you're looking at them. They can sense your eyes and where your head is turning in the water, the vibrations, because they've evolved over 400 million years to sense that in their prey. So when you're looking at them, they'll swim away from you. So they like to actually come up from behind and investigate. So always look around you. Um, and if they do happen to come up to you, all you have to do is put your hand on their nose, not their jaw, above the jaw, the nose, and you need to push it, outlock your elbow, and then push your body to the side of them. Just push them out of the way. And, um, and that's enough to kind of show them, look, I'm a predator as well. And I'm not your prey and you just have to stand your ground a little bit. So, I mean, if you're going to splash around and scream, that's going to be worse for you. So 
yeah, just putting that out there, shark safety, we need them in our oceans. They're the immune system of the ocean. And yeah. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to, I hope that that tip kind of is a tip that I never forget. Yeah, <laughs> Just in yeah. case I'm ever in that situation, it's like one of those random tips that can save your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my friends have swum. Like, I, I've been dying to see a tiger shark, but um, they're very rare to see, like very, very rare to see. So if you get to, like, swim with one, it's like, wow, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. And my friends have, and, like, it's just the most mind-blowing, humbling experience that you're in this ocean and, and as a human, you're not, you know, in control anymore. And they, they can rip you apart if they wanted to, but they don't because they're peaceful animals most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, I love it. This podcast <laughs> went in a direction that I did not expect, but I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Manifestation, uh, sharks and music. I mean, that's pretty much my life. <laughs> I love it. It's like all encompassing, but I did just want to finish off on, um, talking about some of the mental health stuff, because I definitely know that the listeners, this is a topic that everyone or most people within the music industry can relate to. I was quite open uh, throughout COVID on my own mental health journey and struggling with Mm -hmm. like anxiety as I had a family member in hospital and, you know, with the lockdowns here in Melbourne and everything. Um, Are they okay now? They are. Yes. Yes. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, but they're in Sydney. So it was one of those situations where I unfortunately wasn't able to be there through like this major operation. So yeah, I mean, they're on the other side now, but I kind of shared a little bit about that journey on the pod and it's just, um, once you start opening up and actually asking people and and being aware, it's something that you don't realize how many people suffer from mental health issues, whether that be Mm. bipolar or depression or anxiety. So um, what is some advice for any musicians listening to this at the moment on how to kind of, um, I guess, manage a music career, which, which can be, I mean, the music industry is a bit of a roller coaster of an industry. Um, What is some advice that you have um, as someone with bipolar disorder um, and working within the music industry? Yeah, look, I think um, with the ups and downs in this industry, especially the entertainment industry taking such a hit with COVID at the moment, I think a support system is the most important thing, whether that's a therapist, your family, friends, you need people to fall back on when you're feeling depressed. You you just need to like, I think, I don't like saying snap out of it fast, but like make sure that you don't go down that rabbit hole like try to stop yourself from from um, spiraling into all those negative thoughts by getting out of it sooner, by talking to someone faster before mm. it gets there. I think that's helped me the most um, because like you said, being bipolar, I mean, it's had such a profound effect on my life. Uh, there, there's times where I'm like, you know, Superman, I can do anything. Everything's all good. Um, I'm writing till four in the morning, like I'm getting all this shit done. And then there's times where I just fall into such a severe depression. Like the depression in bipolar is very, very severe. It's, I think it's a bit different to um, someone that doesn't have bipolar in the sense that it feels like someone in your family just died and it's a chemical imbalance. So it's very severe and it's very difficult to deal with. So a lot of the time, most of us have to be on medication. Like we can't not ever be on medication in case we relapse. So if you need medication, don't be afraid to go see a psychiatrist and get on the right medication. Um, try it. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But um, if you're finding that you're constantly in a, in a state of mind 
um, or you're struggling really badly like I was. I mean, I, I had to get on medication. I had no choice. Um, and that's okay. Like, absolutely okay. Like, I'm okay to talk about it. I, I always advocate for mental health. Um, I, I think it needs to be spoken about. So support system, number one, get on meds if you need them um, and, and try to do that manifesting thing. Try to stay positive and flip your fo- thoughts as much as you can. And I guess those have been the main things that have helped me. So Yeah. And all of this is a practice as well. Um, like, flipping your thoughts is really hard at the start when you're not used to it. But one of the simple things, and I don't know if this is something that you do Luna, but, um, one of the things that I did when I was in a pretty like depressed state, um, when I was back in Sydney and really, really hating my job, um, Mm. is I, when I got to work every morning, I wrote a gratitude list. So, Mm -hmm. um, at least even if I just wrote down like three things, like I'm grateful for to have a, to even have a job or to have access to fresh water. I even going back to those really basic human needs. Yes. Um, and then sometimes it was, you know, I'm grateful for this coffee right here. And sometimes it just feels like you're writing stuff and you're not really feeling it. But after a couple of weeks, you start to uh, connect with it a bit more. And mm-hmm. then that's when the transformation comes into play. So a lot of this yeah. stuff, like it's the wiring, like you've got to learn to like rewire your brain um, and medication is like, it's, amazing like we're so lucky yeah we're so lucky to be living in this time where we have access and in Australia it's like um I mean I can't speak for all medications because it like I'm not an expert on it but um Mm -hmm. a lot of the medication here is relatively inexpensive I believe yeah Um, it is yeah yeah, compared to some other countries um so yeah it's like it's a practice and I've just found your story just so inspiring like (laughs) so thank you so much for sharing (laughs) that with us Um, Is there anything you want to to add at all? Um, Yeah, I mean, just in what you were saying about being grateful, I think what you focus on persists. So if you focus on gratitude, you're going to be given more things to be grateful for in your life. Whatever you focus on, like the negative, you'll attract more negative. The positive, you're going to attract more things like that. So the scripting is important, being grateful, changing, flipping those thoughts. Oh, my God, I can't tell you how how you need to focus on the thoughts because you'd be surprised how fucking dark they are, man. Like, like I catch some of my thoughts and I'm like, whoa, what was that? Who was that? Like, that's not me. That's like an abuser. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, doing all that stuff. Um, I just say I, I agree with what you said and, and it's and it's good to do all that. And, and as a collective, I think that will definitely help the people that have listened to this podcast today. So, I love it. I love it. Well, Luna, thank you so, so much for uh, sharing your story with us and so many pieces of wisdom, you know, from the the tangible music industry crowdfunding stuff to um, your advice on on mental health. And I loved hearing about, um, I loved hearing about how to survive a uh, A shock attack. That's some good promo you can use. I don't know, man. Like (laughs) that's the snippet I'm going to use when we do the uh, the export of the (laughs) the one minute clip. Amazing. Where can everyone (laughs) find you, follow you, and uh, get a hold of that album? I am Luna Vexa, so V E X A on all platforms, um, and I'm pretty much on everything like Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, YouTube. um, So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to the Being in a Band podcast. If you liked this episode, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an upload. And if you really liked the episode, make sure you leave me a five-star review. If you aren't a member already, come and join my free Facebook group, Music Marketing and Mindset for heavy bands and musicians. It's a business savvy community of musicians just like you. If you want to work together, all the details are available at monicastrut.com and I'll catch you next time. Bye.